Hi, I'm Peter Haddock and welcome to another edition of my podcast with leadership series. This is a series where I talk to the leaders in the industry about what they're doing right now, what they're doing in the future and what they see are the challenges and the things that we need to be thinking about as we move this industry forward and try and build back better. The podcast with leadership series is kindly supported by Leica Geosystems, the 3D machine control and surveying specialist. If you need to know more about their solutions and their equipment, you can visit them at leica-geosystems.com. And we thank them very much for supporting this latest podcast. Today, I've got a really special guest on. I'm joined by Joe Nelson. He's the contracts director for Mick George, and also his responsibilities lie with plant and investment in kits and obviously making those contracts winnable for Mick George, but also deliverable. And Joe, welcome onto the podcast. Great to see you today. Thank you, Pierre. Now, tell me a little bit about yourself first, Joe, because you can't become contracts director for Mick George without having a little bit of history in the industry. So tell me, what's your industry story? Left school at 15, worked for a company that don't exist anymore, Weldon Plant. My dad was actually the plant manager there. So I was brought into the industry having knowledge of, of plant from an early age. And I, I basically started as a banksman and worked my way up to foreman, plant operator, through to being general foreman, works manager, been through various companies and been with Mick George now for about 10 years, started as a plant manager, then promoted to contracts manager and now contracts director. Well, Mick, that is the true industry story, isn't it? Man and boy, when did you first get to sit in an excavator or a dumper with your dad then? Probably from the age of nine, ten. Yeah. I've been able to drive excavators from the age of ten. We used to, in the school holidays in them days where you probably could get away with it. <laughs> My dad used to take me and if someone didn't turn in, I had to drive. I remember driving a Komatsu 210 with a breaker on it for a week in the school holidays, just breaking up rock in a quarry. Wow, that's incredible. And so you've got you a bit of pocket money. I've got a bit of pocket money for it. I certainly hope so. <laughs> certainly yeah. hope so, Joe. And that sort of really didn't obviously put you off the industry. It, it made you want to have a career in the industry. And why is that? I think watching my dad, and my dad was obviously successful in what he done. And I always had a, a love for the machines. I wasn't probably the brightest child in the school, shall we say. So I, you know, the attraction was always around plant. And unfortunately, I always knew I had a way into plant through my father. Yeah, and that's great. And I think, you know, what really excites me about that journey is that you're in a position now where you can really help to bring people into the industry and actually have the respect of those people coming into the the business, knowing that you've done the graft yourself. And that's potentially quite important for you guys as you look to attract more people, isn't it? Oh, yeah, 100%. We, as the industry's finding it, finding people to come into the industry now is very difficult. Um Unfortunately, the youth of today would rather sit behind computer screens and gaming systems than actually get out in a in a muddy field. It, you know, where I suppose my era was, the attraction was building sites and muddy fields. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we'll come on to this sort of technology and how technology can help bring people in. But I want to start by really understanding what is going on 
with Mick George. I mean, my memories of of doing a story in my previous life as a PR guy with Finning, the Caterpillar dealer, was just seeing the, the sort of graffiti on the side of a waste facility where Mick George was handling materials with a cat wheel loader and you know and obviously in quarry environments but last time I saw you in the summer when there was beautiful sunshine I was on a huge site called Magna Park 1.2 million cube going onto site and I saw this just incredible array of equipment and you were even testing with the guys from Sirius Group testing the scraper system from KTEC. That just shocked me. I just didn't expect Mick George to be doing this kind of work. What's happened with Mick George and where's the journey gone from from that waste and processing and and quarrying to where you are now on that and the M1, for goodness sake. Yeah, I think the company has recognised that historically, Mick George is a company we, we're renowned for quarrying in stone and, and muck away, skips, and probably mostly around the Peterborough in the Cambridge area. You know, Mick's built his business on Cambridge and in and out of Cambridge with muck and aggregates and relying on mainly the university investments and the industry's changed. People are reluctant to take muck away from sites now, which, you know, cost of landfill is astronomical. So we've we seen a, a gap in the market with, unfortunately, other companies that have gone by the wayside, the Priors, the Lancasters, and we felt there was an opportunity in the market. So we've become a bit more versatile. We had some heavy plant because obviously the quarry industry with overburden and, and digging of rock, we already had some of the plant. We sort of played at it, shall we say, in a smaller scale. And then we invested in some people that probably opened up our eyes, me included, I come from an earthworks background and, and Mick George is a company. We're not renowned for being an earthworks company. So we conversation I had with Michael and Mick George is, you know, there's an opportunity here. I think we should explore it. We did. We took a chance and we ended up winning, I believe, a job that no one actually ever thought we would in Magna Park. And you're right, 1.2 million. It actually ends up being 1.8 by the time we've moved some of the surcharge materials on, on several occasions. And on that, we, you know, we took a chance. We won the job to everyone's surprise, I believe. And we went and invested in the plant to do that job. Yeah, and I think what's really interesting when I've been onto the site, but also when I have talked to you numerous times since the visit, it's a change in the model, isn't it? So, you know, I talked to other people on this podcast and the recent one I did was on the circular economy. And I see going onto that Magna Park job, you've got your trucks arriving with the materials and the aggregate, and you've got them where necessary, taking out soils that need to be remediated off site and working in the other areas as well. So tell me, why do you think you were able to make that shift away from what you're doing to a really, really big site? And tell me about the investment that's gone into that. I think as a company, we're quite unique because of what we offer. You know, we are now an earthworks contractor. We are a quarry contractor. We have our own stabilizing division. We have our own environmental division. So we do a lot of remediation as well. We, I believe, I'm not 100% on this. I know we were. We were the only licensed asbestos removal company that owned our own license tip in the country. I'm not sure if that's still the case. That was the case 12 months ago. Yeah, well, that's Um, great, isn't it? Yeah. So I I think we offer a one-stop shop. You know, we can do every element of a construction phase. Building isn't something we've gone into. Civils isn't something we've gone into because the business supports other civil contractors. And we feel like we'll be treading on other people's toes or not necessarily treading on our toes, but they are our, you know, they are one of our main buyers of our products. So we wouldn't go into the housing division because they buy our concrete, they buy our gravel, they buy our stone. 
and you don't want to step on the mouth that feeds you. Absolutely, and I think that's right. You want to be supporting the industry uh, like you have been for many years, but also expanding out to see not just how you can grow, but how you can do things differently. And I talk a lot about carbon and the impact of, yes, in Earthworks, move it once, move it well. But if you're moving it, if you're remediating it, if you're taking, you're sending lorries empty back when they could have something else in them, like this material that you can remediate elsewhere or materials that you can take on to other sites to get their levels up and help them be more productive, then it, it really does work. And there's a lot more thought that needs to go into this on sustainability, isn't there? So tell me about what your sort of vision of that, of expanding this model is and and your thoughts on how we can be more sustainable in the environment that we've got and and the collaboration that we probably need more of. Yeah, well, I mean, I challenge anybody to see a Mick George lorry running empty. They very rarely run empty. We try with our best of ability to tie two, maybe three jobs together that we may deliver stone into one job, but we'll always have a backload. So the lorries are running efficiently. We're not burning empty diesel. Collaboration, I think the serious you touched on at Lutterworth, you know, we're open to collaboration. We're open to new ideas and investment. And the series came around by, I've seen his, I think it might be something you promoted. That, um, <laughs> and it was something I, you know, coming from an early age and seeing the motor scrapers and the D8 boxes of oak that I understand are trying to make a comeback, but they're a very expensive way of moving muck. So we've seen the serious model. We thought, I spoke to Stuart Kurt, asked him, could we have a look? Could we hire? To be honest, looking to go and have a look at his work, his kit working on one of his jobs, but at the time he didn't have work. So we offered him the opportunity. Come and help us at Lutworth, bring your plant. We can have a look at it. It may be something we want to invest in in the future. And it works. It has its critics. I have a couple of, shall we say, old school muck shifters within our ranks who believe that if you're moving muck with scrapers, you should be looking out the back window, not out the front. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Because it's been, they've, that's what they've been used to. That, but that's what they're being used to. Sat sideways, looking out the back, peering out the front. Yeah. Um, but they moved substantial amount of muck and it was efficient. It's very efficient. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the good thing about the KTEX scrapers and the Volvo ADT combination is the Volvo for that particular job, I think you were the first in the country to have the stage five unit on the top. So, you know, you're talking about actually some of the older scrapers, much like people would like to see them. They just can't get on some of these big sites, can they? Because your clients are looking at the very latest in equipment as well, aren't they? Because they're challenging you on that. Yeah, I mean, we do the M1, for example, with Highways England. They're looking for efficient. They're looking for Euro 6 engines. They want the efficiencies and the pollution to a minimum. So the old black smoke of a DA isn't accepted on these schemes anymore, unfortunately. You know, HS2 would be crying out in its day for the old D8 box and the motor scrapers of this world. But the pollution that they pump out probably wouldn't be accepted by that scheme. No, it's not at all. And I know HS2 are very keen on the emissions levels and they've brought in the CESAR sort of emissions standards so that people can see that they can identify the right machine. So let's talk about this ramping up. Let's talk about the spend and how you've spent your money. You've made a serious investment in kit, which started because of that big Magna Park project. But talk me through the investment, the strategy, and how actually that's helped you get onto the M1, because it's not just equipment you've invested in, it's the way of working and how you're using that equipment and the latest technologies as well. So talk me through that project and some of the investments you've made and why. So the M1, for example, we've heavily invested in engineering because it's very engineering driven. We've invested in eight new excavators for that scheme specifically that are zero swing, height, slew, M1 spec, if you like. 
High Rise England spec, all with NCON or steel wrist buckets because of the, the technical detail that's involved in that scheme, and all GPS. Generally, choice would be general choice is Trimble at the minute. We do the engineering kit on there is Leica. The engineers' rovers are all Leica systems. And I touched on earlier, we've invested in the bigger schemes on foreman kits because when you operate GPS kits, unfortunately, the foreman on the ground can't see what's going on. So we've invested in some tablets that show him the model. So very simply, he can walk around and get the detail that the machine driver's seen. That's really impressive because we've got no pins in the ground anywhere and we've got some beautiful weather conditions in winter in the UK. So actually getting from one part of the site to another and driving that, seeing the levels that you've reached, seeing the as-built models there coming back from that combination that you said about the Leica surveying equipment being used to create the model that's then fed into the Trimble system, then that allows you to manage the job more effectively and it also allows you to sort of pinpoint those areas where maybe you're going to have to bring another machine in to get to that level. Yes, it gives the foreman the foresight to go ahead, you know, two days in advance and walk the field with his model and he's not reliant on dragging the machine away and having a look and asking how deep he's got or how much fill in that area. It helps with his programme. He can go and plan his works and plan his plan for the following weeks. Yeah, and that makes sure that you are not having plant that's idle if there's not as much work to do, but also you're not having that breakdown in the actual cycle and running cycle of the plant from digging to putting in in the ADTs or whatever lorries they've got to actually bringing in materials as well. Because it's that productivity which is really important, isn't it? And that's something that you've really focused on on the M1 project, being able to prove your actual layers because you're doing as built but also match that productivity so tell me what kind of productivity gains have have you been able to deliver through the sort of combination you've got it goes back to the efficiencies of on the m1 for example we can plan ahead we import we export and we use the same lorries and we put and we plan that days in advance we set up programs you know it's a minimal we do a three-week look ahead there we have to report that to the client and there's always targets So that's great. And you're able to hit them. And so talk to me about the real big fleet purchase, though, that is at Magna Park. You you know, you're going to have to reel it all off, Joe, for me. Some serious investment. And you've looked at different types of kit from different OEMs, which is quite interesting as well. So tell me about that site and what you've invested in and, and what's there for become the norm and why don't we start with the big excavator because i was shocked when i saw that in the enormous borrow pit that you've got on site and i know that there's other jobs that that can do because of the nature of your business so start me at the big stuff and and talk through yeah so we bought a volvo 750 75 ton excavator with a six cubic meter bucket we bought one of them specifically for magna park we have since invested in another and we've actually put the other one in one of our quarries because we were in the quarry, it's doing the work that 250 tonners were doing. They were struggling to keep the capacity of rock to the crushers. So we've invested another one there. Magna Park, we bought a further 250 ton max excavators. We had already some in the fleet. So I think at peak, we probably had five to six 50 ton and above excavators at Magna Park. We also invested in 10 40 ton bell dump trucks. We spent the extra bit of money on the dump trucks and bought balloon tires which, according to Bell, we were the first in the country to do. I don't know if anyone actually has of yet. They are basically the 50-tonne Bell dump truck. The tyres from a 50-tonner on a 40-tonner, and it makes that truck so much more efficient. That 40-tonne truck has been a big surprise to us. We also invested in six 30-tonne Bells. 
to run alongside our current Volvo and Capital fleet. And the Bell's been a uh, it's been a magnificent truck, to be fair. We've probably, like everybody else, overlooked it in the past and stuck with the known. But yeah, I'm very impressed. Very impressed with the Bells. We've also dumped dozers, stuck with Caterpillar. I think, you know, they're pride of fleet. We've invested in six Caterpillars, D6Ts. We have got one of the new fives, which was the old 6N, all running on Trimble Earthworks. We've invested, you mentioned software, we've invested in a micro drone for our survey team because of the vast size of Lutterworth. To keep on top of movements and what we're moving, we invested in a drone and he, he can do a survey in you know in an hour rather than a, a full day walking around with a pole. And we can get that software and get that data very quickly. And so that really is a lot of investment and a lot of thought that's gone into that. It's interesting to hear you particularly say about the, you know, the, the bell trucks with the tyres and also the fact that you, what you've done is you've looked at the right bits of kit different OEMs on the site but what I want to sort of steer you in the direction of really Joe is data you mentioned data from the drones from the surveying equipment that you've got from Leica from you know the Trimble kit that that feeds in those models data is a big thing now isn't it and the question I ask to most people is how are you managing data and, and what things do you think that the OEMs and providers to you could do better to help you run a site more effectively. What are your thoughts on that? That's something we actually had a meeting on this yesterday because we've invested in the drone. And me personally, I'm not very techno savvy, but I sat with the surveyors and the engineering team yesterday and the capability of the drone we bought, I'll be honest, I wasn't aware of its true capacity of what it could actually do. It takes so many photos as a survey it can give us production it can tell us daily what would move it can tell us what's in the quarry what's left in the quarry what's in stockpiles in the quarry you know even on magna park for example we we had a lot of surcharge the time and the efficiency of survey drones fantastic and it's probably something we'll invest further in the engineering software we use trimble business center we use n4ce for the forming kits I mean, the forming kits are, they've been revolutionary, really. They can take a very quick survey. So if, for example, we found a soft area, we had to remove it. The engineer is not available. The foreman has the capability of doing that very quick survey and putting that error right, if you like, putting that soft spot back without relying on an engineer or relying on the engineering team. And some of the smaller jobs, you know, where you don't have the capacity to have a full-time engineer, we have a forming kit. The foreman then has the capability to see what, one, he's trying to build and he can do a survey, perhaps not in the detail that, you know, an engineer would do it, but it's enough to pick up the change. And I think that's really exciting. You know, that's the first time I've really understood how people are using that kit to really make those changes quickly. And I'm understanding that they're fully GPS enabled. So the SIM cards are there. You can physically be their GPS yeah. coordinates and send that straight to your engineers in your head office, for example. Yes, they can. The foreman kit, for example, is it can email back. You can take a snapshot. It's got a tablet, so you can take a photo to tie in with the survey. So this is the area in question. This is the, the void I've measured. And you can email that back to the engineering team or back to a laptop or an email address that you know keeps everybody, QS as example, are all in the loop. Everybody knows in actual time. As a company, we're just touching on technology. We're changing a whole ticketing system to handheld modules. We've recently invested in coins. Not Bitcoins, Joe? Oh. No, no, not Bitcoins. Oh. Coins is a 
measuring tool. It's a commercial measuring tool. Yeah. But we can give the lads PDRs on site. And when they take a load, very much like your Amazon delivery man. So my banksman on site will have this. He will take a load. They will sign it. And it instantly emails the ticket back to the office for invoicing. Right. Right. And our whole skip business, our whole concrete business, which with the pandemic going on currently, yep. obviously pen, paper, it's made us probably bring it to the table quicker than we were going to, but it's something the whole company will be electronic in the next six months. Brilliant. So every foreman will have, or every site will have the handheld system that automatically receive that ticket because 90% of our clients want at the end of every scheme or the end of every day proof of what we've had for that day, where it's come from. And we can email that directly. There's no paper chain anymore. There's no photocopy and 50 tickets at the end of every day. Yeah, It's a very quick invoicing system. It sends it direct. It sends it to the client and also back to our commercial team. I think what's interesting about that is that that kind of moves me on to you're talking about loads and where materials are going and things like that. I mean, I went on to the Heave site for HS2 and they're very keen on knowing exactly the payload that is being dug, as it were, by the excavator and then put into the ADT and where that ADT goes and then dumps that to actually talk about exact movements and payload and data from equipment. So that's the next thing I really wanted to understand because you've got all the models, you've got everything else, and you're able, like you say, with the drones to look at what you've done. But how about the use of technology and data inputs and pings, let's say, from the machines? Uh, Where do you see that being used in Mick George and and how's that going to benefit We currently use all the telematics. We get telematics reports um, every evening from idling times, fuel efficiencies, how many loads, payload. The Bell telematics system is very good on the dump trucks at Lutterworth. So of an evening, not being there day to day, I can have a quick scoop on there and see how many loads they've done, what tonnage they've moved in a day. And we were reporting that on our Gedlin scheme. You know, I've got a a bypass scheme in Nottingham for Balfour and they were using that to update the MMP, you know, materials management plan. Every night we would get a report. We would issue that across the Balfour B, no secrets. And it tells you what every individual truck has done, its fuel efficiency, what it's burned, and how many tons it's moved. And that's the kind of information your clients are needing, isn't it? Which is really, really good. So, Joe, we've understood that you're looking at and using all of the latest technology. I was the first to really understand in depth how the Foreman kit works. Uh, so that's brilliant. That's all new to me. Coins is not really uh, coins in the, that you'd hold in your hand. No. That's another great system. But the, the one thing that obviously we all need to concentrate, and I'm sure it's what keeps you awake at night, is safety. And yes. safety for me, I've talked about cab clutter So you've got too many screens in the cab. I think that's being addressed with different things and personal alert systems from the likes of Leica and other things from other players that link in with that and wearables. Tell me about your sort of thoughts on safety and where we're going to go with that and what we need to do more of as well. Yeah, I think GPS is obviously a big driver in people plant interface. You know, taking the banksman out of the field. There's no need for people now to be stood around machines. On the M1, we've adapted a site system called Site Zone, where it halos the machine, if you like, and everybody on that site has a buzzer on the back of their hard hat. So if you get within the swing zone of an excavator, your buzzer on your hat goes off, alarm goes off in the machine, the driver should automatically stop but it's also alerted the person that they're in the danger zone to stop, don't go any further. But yeah, we're quarrying and the recycling element of the business, you know, loading shovels running around with buckets full of waste. And we just 
take people out of the equation. You need to take people and machines away. There's too many tragedies every year with people being, and, and unfortunately I've been on sites in the past that I've, I've had them, and it does hit home. Yeah, and I think that's great to see you integrating all of those technologies and things like that. And that sort of brings me on to really the future bit, as it were. And also with this, I guess, you know, what I wanted to do is talk about how we can use some of this stuff that you're doing, but also the future bit to maybe attract more people into the industry. So, you know, I've seen AR visualization, wearables we've just talked about, improving safety. And I'm part of trying to promote the work of the Continuous Automated Plant Group, which has people like Highways England in it. In fact, I did a recent live with Mark Lawton from Skanska talking about their statements and how they're going to try and push industry forward so where do you see some of the future things and you're really big on collaboration as well so where do you see some of the things coming into the future and how can we use them to attract more people what are your thoughts on that joe i think the automated systems the autonomous machines you know certainly in a quarry environment where let's be honest it's very much repeat you know that's got to be the future and like we touched on earlier the youth of today wants to sit behind computer screens and and gaming systems then why not let them sit behind a computer screen and and operate a machine again take the people out of the equation and unfortunately the industry i think we're seeing it now i think that the industry is suffering with the youth coming through are not there we may be fortunate that we have sons of as i am a son of a dad that's in the industry who's perhaps encouraged or they've been around it through their parents. We're seeing a bit of that, but we're not seeing fresh. We're not seeing fresh people. My son's in the industry. My son is a site manager. So I don't know what how we correct that. At McGeorge, we're setting up the plan this year is to set up some sort of training school. We have tried this year past in bringing in some apprentices, apprenticeships, and we brought them into all elements of the business, you know, the concrete, the fitting workshops, and we're trying to encourage them to come through the plant. We have our own in-house trainer. We're not frightened to invest in them. Unfortunately, they some people come, they try it, and the industry's a long, and it's a hard industry. You, it's long hours. It's, you know, you, you could be traveling an hour every day to get to your workplace, and a lot of people don't want it anymore. I even find... The old school, when I was driving machines, it was seven days a week. It was in the summer. It was, you know, make hay where the sun shines. You earned your money in the summer. You expected less hours in the winter. I find now even the youth that come into it, they don't want to work seven days, which is fine. You know, it's not a life. They need to have that, you know, that social. You need to have that work-life balance. I'm not sure how we get the youth, how we make it attractive. And I think the attraction is technology because that's what they're brought up on that. You know, when yeah. I started, we didn't have mobile phones. All right, indeed, yes, showing your age yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have mobile phones. We wouldn't have been sitting having this conversation online because it wasn't there. That now comes, you know, I have an 18-year-old daughter. This, all this comes natural to her. It's, it's new to me. And I think technology is the only way we're going to encourage them to come in. I know autonomous machines driven by somebody sat in comfort rather than a cab. One, ticks all the health and safety boxes ticks all the efficiency boxes, and I think you'll encourage people to do it. Yeah, and I think, you know, I've seen Con Expo in March, just before lockdown, I managed to get home, fortunately. The brilliant way in which Caterpillar's bringing in their system, Cat Command, which is that station, which has got full... Yeah. I've seen that. Um, That's going to be a star of the future. And they've actually brought that into construction applications. Uh, People know that from mining. I've also just spoken very recently about what Cabelco is doing with its 
sort of semi-autonomous and automatic system with like a geosystems on site with BAM recently, but also they're bringing in a similar type of remote control capability as well. So we are going to see that coming. I think what's great about that as well, and I'll get your thoughts on it, Joe, is how you take experienced people and bring other people through when you have got a bank of people that are sitting in an office in a connected environment. That's going to be important because... Like you say, we can't get people age of 10 on an excavator, Joe. Unfortunately, no. anymore, can we? No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. No. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge. It's definitely going to be a challenge for the industry as a whole. I think next year coming is going to be a challenge with the big drive that's HS2. You know, that's attractive to any machine driver because it's such a big scheme. It probably gives them that comfort that, you know, it's a long program gives them that comfort of security yeah which i think unfortunately for the likes of mick george and other companies that perhaps are not involved in hs2 we might suffer because the the attraction for the machine driver not necessarily even money it's the prestigiousness of that job yeah it's a look at me i'm on hs2 yeah and that's what i do when i get onto hs2 look at me folks i'm here at hs2 you know it's yeah. the same thing i'm excited about that and the recent a14 was very similar you know yes. with that we played our part as a company in that. We delivered, I think, 2 million tonne of aggregates into that scheme. We were fearful that we would lose a lot of people to that. And I think we were fortunate that we we didn't. But I think a lot of companies round about us did because of the, again, the attraction of a big job on your doorstep. And you can't knock people for that because everyone's ambitious and everybody wants to be part of something that's different. Yeah, and I think, though, you know, let's say, you know, we've been talking a lot about what you're doing. And let's be honest, you know, you're on some big projects. You're delivering the circular economy. You've got that holistic approach that you can put people into waste applications and get that experience, into quarry applications and get that experience, onto big shed jobs like Magna Park, and then onto, you know, M1, Highways England. I mean, HS2 to, to one side, there is an awful lot of infrastructure i mean i've talked to other leaders like yourself and we're going into the boom times for big projects you know so the kudos is going to be there wherever you're able to go with people that are investing in the right technology and equipment like yourself yeah i mean our estimating team at the minute are working around the clock the inquiries are like they've never been before yeah. um, and they're all yes there's a lot of small what we call the small historic mick george jobs but there is we are looking at several magna parks of that equivalent. There is some more Highways England schemes that we're talking to clients about. I'm confident for next year. I'm confident for next year that we will keep going forward and we'll keep investing. I believe we have now got a name. We are recognised, which 12 months ago we perhaps weren't. When we, again, I don't think anyone give us credit that we would win the M1. I don't think anyone ever thought Mick George would be involved in Magna Park. I know who else tended Magna Park and I think they didn't see us as a threat when we tended it. I think we were just making the numbers up to everybody else. We obviously put a compliant bid in. We've gone and the job's been very successful for us. If you'd asked me that last December when we sat in the field and we weren't moving because it was absolutely torrential rain, <laughs> we weren't sure we'd made the right decision. But as we sit here today, we, you know, it's been a good job for us. I believe the client is very happy and I'd hope you know, we would do some things with him in the future, which if I'm being honest, we have this week. We've currently we've just won another job from the same client, not of the same magnitude but we have one another job in the same client. 
And that's great. And this is what the industry is all about, isn't it? You have really put yourself out there. You've invested multiple millions of pounds in delivering that job and doing it in the right way. You've brought in your circular economy style approach. You've brought in all of the technologies and you're not really looking at that legacy stuff. You've brought in all of a lot of the new stuff that you've got there. And that's actually worked. And of course, with all the knowledge that you've gained and the fact that you're still investing in new kit moving forward allows you to keep proving that Mick George is now a big name to play with. It's also collaborating with working with other people like the plant hirers and bringing their their kit into those bigger jobs as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, like we touched on, we've we've invested heavily, but we, as a company, we probably couldn't afford to invest in everything we needed to do Magna Park. So yes, we have been supported by the hire fleets, the Flannery and Lynch. Lynch have recently supported us on other schemes. So we realise we need them. I think that, you know, we've built a good relationship with them and we'll use that going forward. Because if we win all the jobs we've tendered, which, you know, we're not under the illusion that we'll win them all, I think next year is going to be very busy for Mick George. Right, fantastic. And the one thing that we're going to make sure we do, Joe, is get me on those sites when you win them. Because, uh, you know, I can't wait to, to see some of this stuff happening. And even though I'm totally unqualified, I certainly want to get my hands on the form and tablet and find that place to picture so that I can make my little contribution to the success of the next project, Joe. Look, it's been a pleasure talking to you today, Joe. Thanks so much for spending all this time. I know you're incredibly busy individual but telling the story of Mick George what you're doing I think is really important for us to get that out there you're certainly in my mind a really really ambitious player you've got the heritage of working in the industry which is great but you've actually pushed so hard and so fast on technology and for me it's all about the connected work site in the future and it's all about people like you helping to drive that and people like me telling the story. So thanks very much for taking part. Thank you, Peter. Thank you for your time. And I'll let you go back to digging some more very, very exciting big borrow pits like I've seen at Magna Park. Take care of yourself, be safe, and uh, we'll be speaking again, no doubt. Thank you very much. So it's a massive thank you for Joe Nelson for Mick George there and another great big thank you to Leica Geosystems, who are the supporters of this podcast with leadership series if you need to know more about their surveying and 3d machine control solutions and equipment visit leica-geosystems.com thanks very much for listening to another episode folks and remember you can go back into our channel and listen to all of the other podcasts with leadership and other podcast sessions until the next time folks goodbye